Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at today in show 114. Windows 10's arrived, hit or miss. Trying out contactless payment. A wrists on review of Apple's watch. Compensation for Nike fuel band in the US. Plus your feedback on PV and Ultra HD. First off, here's Pete with the latest tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. The headlines for August 2015. And first up, the UK now has its first 4K or Ultra HD TV channel. BT launched the Ultra HD Sports Channel ahead of August's football season. The channel will be delivered over high-speed broadband via the Humax 1TB Ultra HD UView Plus set-top box. You'll need a BT fibre connection capable of a sizeable 44 megabits per second for the live stream. At the time of recording, BT is offering a £125 Sainsbury gift card with every online order for Ultra HD, as well as a 15% discount off LG Ultra HD TVs. The link is on our show notes, and there's more on 4K later in the show. Staying with digital TV, Sky is expected to announce its new set-top box in the coming weeks. Called Sky Q, this will also offer Ultra HD TV, as well as streaming to mobile devices, and it's rumoured to have four tuners, twice as many as the current Sky Plus boxes. More when we have it. Next up, Angry Birds 2 is here. Six years after the launch of the runaway time waster, it's back. Available now and topping the charts on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Next, if you're missing your fix of Clarkson, May and Hammond, note that they're off to Amazon Prime's streaming service. The Twitter reaction has been pretty mixed, with many hardcore fans not so keen to pay £80 a year to watch the online Not Top Gear show. September is Apple month with rumours of the new iPhone 6 Plus already circulating. For us, rumours of a new Apple TV looks far more interesting. A new style touchpad plus Siri voice control, finally catching up with Amazon's Fire TV product. More on this next month. Staying with smartphones, are you tired of your battery running out? Well, a new Android phone is due to arrive next month, packing a massive 6,250 milliamp hour battery. This is twice the size of many of its rivals. The name of this new phone? Wait for it, the Doogie HomTom. Large batteries are known to increase the charge time, but the HomTom uses a fast charge solution called Pump Express Plus. We're convinced someone's having a laugh. If you don't believe us, see the links in our show notes. Next, well done to Nichelle Nichols, better known to us as Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek. She's set to boldly go on a NASA mission in September. Aged 82, she'll be flying on the SOFIA Space Telescope, which is housed above a specially converted Boeing 747. She's not quite going into space, but will get some great views at up to 50,000 feet above the Earth. Good luck. 
And finally, following on from our piece in last month's show about drones, a Kentucky man, tired of a drone encroaching on his privacy, blew it out of the sky with a shotgun. According to local media, he was subsequently arrested and charged with first-degree criminal mischief and first-degree wanton endangerment. At least it wasn't an Amazon Prime drone making an urgent delivery of Jeremy Clarkson. Thanks very much, Pete. For more tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Frequencycast, now loading. Focus. Focus time for show 114. Wow. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm feeling old, Pete. Do you know what? You're looking fantastic today, though, if I may say so. You've got a sort of a, a black and a white dress on. Is that just for me? Oh, obviously. I pulled out the very girly look for you this evening. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, today has been a particularly busy day for me. I was up early this morning because the day we're recording this is the 29th of July. And, of course, a very important day in the tech calendar today. What was it? Windows 10. Windows 10. So, brand new operating system. And we all knew this was going to be a good one because XP was good and Vista was less good. Windows 7 was good, Windows 8 less good, so the new one has to be a good one. Is that the way it works? It seems to be, same as Star Trek films. The first one, no good, the second one, good, Rotha Khan, you know, the alternate Star Trek films and the alternate versions of Windows, it has to be done that way. Okay, very hit or miss. And Windows 10, by default, has to be a hit, because we've just had the hell that was Windows 8. Okay, fair enough, I take that. So Microsoft's done a clever thing here. They have released Windows 10 and they're giving it away free to anyone that has Windows 7, 8 or 8.1. And you've got a year to upgrade, which is pretty good. That's quite a lot of time. Nice. And this is going to be the last ever version of Windows. I don't believe that for a second. Well, what they're after is one common platform that just gets updated and updated and updated. They're talking about this one lasting for 10 years. Well, there's obviously logic, but as soon as they realise there's another way to make money, surely that goes out the window. Oh, they'll get you another way. Look at what they've done with Office. You've now got to subscribe to Office. It's not like you buy a package and use it for 10 years. It's the subscription model. And that's where Microsoft's going to go. And they've been blatant. They're going to do things like uh, music services and other sort of value-add subscriptions. And that's how they'll make their money. And that's the way the world's going. So in a way, having a stable platform that you don't have to keep worrying about and it's out of date and incompatible between machines, this kind of solves that. So, you know, I'll give them their dues on that one. Okay, I'll give you three years. This was rolled out today. And what anyone with Windows 7 or 8 would have seen is a little box in the corner about uh, upgrading. And today was the day that the upgrade rolled out. I've got four machines that I upgraded today. Some went well, some went a little less well, it has to be said. But I'm now running Windows 10 and I love it. It's actually proving the rule that every alternate one is a good one. Of course, Windows 8 lost the start button. If you now look at Windows 10, you see the start button is back. But it's also got the Windows 8 tile thing when you click on the... uh, the start menu. And I actually think that kind of works. You can still see the desktop. You don't have the two views where you've got the tile view and the desktop. They've actually gone back to the Windows 7 way of doing it. I hated the tiles. I'll be honest, it's not my favourite thing. Having it here under a start button makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. 
and at least you've got your programs and your most used back. That's one thing I guess that I've really, really missed. Now, what is the Microsoft web browser called? Explorer. Ah, not anymore. It's now called Edge. Oh, why? I don't know. I think they've just got bored with Explorer. No, what happened is everyone moved to Chrome. And so all of a sudden they've come up with a new name because nobody <laughs> nobody wants to go back to Explorer. Oh, you cynic. Go on then, give it a go to start her up. Okay, and let's just see how fast this is. So um, type in a web address of, uh, of something that you, uh, you know. Okay, basic and it's loading. It seems to work at a relatively decent speed. I wouldn't say any faster than... The majority of web browsers now. But certainly faster than Internet Explorer, that you probably, like me, abandoned many years ago because it didn't do the obvious stuff. They've sorted it. I don't know why they needed to drop the name. Obviously, it's not had very good PR value for them. They've also added this rather nice little multitask view here. This will be very familiar to you from the Mac world, where you can see two or four or three different multitasking apps running in the background. So they've sorted a lot of that out, which I'm really pleased about. Yeah, that's really nice and, and about time too, really. And of course, the gimmick that has come with this, every new release has to have a gimmick, doesn't it? Cortana. Cortana. Yes, arrival to my uh, my girlfriend, Siri. Oh, of course, of course. Here she is. What's the weather like? It's currently 15 and clear. I've had enough of these, though. I'm going to be really honest and say something potentially controversial. Go on, say it. Well, it's basically slavery, but in a digital form. Only you could say that. This is a voice, a disembodied voice in a box, and you think it's slavery. Why are they always women? Because I'm a man. How many euros to the pound? One euro equals 0 0.70 pounds sterling. That's quicker than going to Google waiting for it and then typing it in. Yeah, if it works first time. Yeah, that worked. Well, that time it did. But what if you've got bad signal or any of those things? That is very true. The thing is with this is if you're sitting at a desk and you want to, let's say, add an entry to your calendar. So uh, I'll do the one I did once before. Let's try. Um, remind me tomorrow that Kelly is great. All right. At what time? 3 p.m. I can remind you to Kelly is great at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Is that right? Yes. Okay, I'll remind you. See, that's not bad. Now, you think about if you wanted to actually do that on the desktop, you'd have to open Outlook, go in the calendar, type it in. That was quicker. Okay, we'll see if you remember that I'm great tomorrow at 3 p.m. First impressions, and I've only had this running for about half a day now, is on both a, uh, a desktop and a, uh, a tablet device. Actually, this isn't bad. Well, to be honest, I don't think it could get much worse. So I guess the key question is, do you upgrade or do you not upgrade? I have taken a bit of a gamble. I've got uh, two machines that I've definitely gone ahead and upgraded because I don't care that much. Mm -hmm. My main machine, I'm not upgrading yet. I'm going to wait till all the bugs are out. But from what I've seen and what I've read, this is an update to do. There's only one thing I've discovered that is a reason not to upgrade, and that's if you use Windows Media Center, which has now been dropped from Windows 10. But for everything else, a faster browser, a better multitasking with this new task view, the improvements to the start menu, and of course the assistant, well worth a punt. Great, I'll do it. Hi, this is uh, John Chalice, a boy C, you may know me better as, from Only Fools and Horses. 
and you're listening to Frequency Cast, the UK's technology radio show. You lucky people. <laughs> right, we are going to move on to some wearable tech now. This is, as you know, one of my favourite little things in the world. I know, and I've already seen you posting all over social media about this one. I'll hold off and I'll talk about something else first. Uh, my Fitbit, my tracking device, is, uh, is not a well little thing here. Yeah, um, a bit of bad planned obsolescence there. Yeah, you've been reading the script again, haven't you? <laughs> well, to be fair, though, it's one of the things that I actually pay a lot of attention to. This is something that you should supposedly be able to wear every single day, but and you've not had that long. No, I got this just before Christmas, so this is, what, uh, eight or nine months old now, and you can see it's peeling away, isn't it? The, the weird coating stuff is actually coming away quite badly. I've tweeted to Fitbit and said, here, this is falling to bits, and tweeted them a picture. So let's see if the power of frequency cast gets them to uh, jump into action and look at replacing it, because I really think it should last a little bit longer than that. I will keep my fingers crossed. Thank you very much. Now, you have your own fitness tracker, don't you? What do you have? I had a Nike fuel band. When you say you had... I didn't use it much past the first few months. You know what I'm like. I'm a bit of a fitness freak anyway. So I was always going to keep my fitness levels up. I didn't need a tracker to kind of motivate me to keep my fitness levels up. I suppose it's a bit of a fad thing for you. Or was it a fashion thing? It didn't go with the dress. So it's gone in a drawer. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really go with very much. It was quite a clunky thing in comparison to some of the other ones that are out now. But also, the majority of what it measures is on your phone now. So I just keep it all on my phone. If I want to keep track of those sorts of things, that's where I look for it automatically. The interesting news here is that the uh, Nike fuel band has been in court and there's been an interesting decision. So basically, the story here is that the, um, the Nike fuel band isn't quite as accurate as it should be. People have dissected it and worked out how it works, and someone has taken it to court. They've put together a, uh, a class action and taken Apple and Nike to court. And I wouldn't say they've quite won, but there's been a settlement. The lawsuit claimed that Nike and Apple had engaged in violations of consumer protection laws in connection with the fuel band. More specifically, the lawsuit alleges, amongst other things, that false and or misleading statements were made regarding Nike Plus's fuel band's ability to accurately track calories, steps and Nike fuel, and that there were breaches of the warranty terms for the Nike Plus fuel band. Nike and Apple deny the claims in the lawsuit and maintain that they did nothing wrong or illegal. However, what they have agreed to do is give compensation to everyone that bought a Nike fuel band between January 2012 and June 2015. $15 compensation. If that isn't an admission that there's something to this, I don't know what is. Do you know what? It doesn't surprise me in the slightest either. Even just using the mobile phones, and I know that they're unlikely to be as accurate as as having a band on constantly. Interestingly, though, this is only the uh, the US, so we don't have this in the UK yet. The website you need is nikefuelbandsettlement.com. Someone's gone out and bought the domain for it, so there you go. Gosh. Right, well, the reason I'm not wearing my little friend here, the Fitbit, is not because it's inaccurate or because it's falling to bits, but because I've upgraded. Yes, I've seen. Go on, get your excitement over and done with. I've got an Apple Watch. Oh, honestly, I knew this was coming up. I've... 
it's been all over your social media anyway, as well as the fact that you've turned it up and pretty much thrown it in my face at every given opportunity. Do you know what? I've resisted it. When the iWatch came out, I thought, no, it's Apple. It's, you know, silly money to wear a branded watch. I finally took the plunge. And do you know what? It's awesome. Has it changed your world? Almost. It is frightening how quickly I have got to love this through actually using it. So the watches I've played with before, you've kind of got to make a conscious effort. You know, you put it up in front of your face, you press a couple of buttons, a menu comes up, you fiddle about with your finger, you get it to do something. And you think, you know what, I've got a phone in my pocket. I'll just quicker to get the phone out and do it. And people have said, you know, what's the point in having a smartwatch? It takes ages to send a text message on it. You may as well use your phone. And that's absolutely right. If you look at it as a computer in its own right, yes, they're not good. They're too fiddly, the screens are too small. But if you use it as an accessory, which this has got pretty close to being right, it is frighteningly useful. I kind of feel you're a little bit in love. The real annoyance is I don't want to be. This is Apple. This is what they do. I feel dirty. But it's actually becoming a bit of a life changer. Well, so I've noticed you sent me messages from it and everything today. Well, this was great. Okay, I was in the car on the way to the studio and I literally... From my hand being on the wheel, I tilted the watch towards me. As you've seen then, what's happened is I've tilted my wrist. The screens appeared straight away. Yeah. And I literally said, hey Siri, let Kelly know when I've arrived. And it sent you a message telling you exactly that. Didn't have to take my hand off the wheel. Didn't have to take my eyes off the road. It knew where I was going because it was route planning for me. And when it got here, it sent you a text. Yeah, it was quite impressive. But I would never have guessed that that had come from your watch. And it's really strange things. If I talk to it and get it to do things, it doesn't talk back. It's not intrusive like you'd sort of expect. You expect to say, hey, Siri, do this. And it would speak back to you and say, what do you want to do? What time? But it doesn't. It just subtly puts it on the screen for you. So if I were to say, hey, Siri, send a text message to Kelly saying she's great. What it's done is it's put that on the screen for me with a do you want to send this button. So I can just literally acknowledge it with one tap of the finger on a big button and that is gone. And with a bit of luck, you've just got a text message from me. Yep, there it is. And subtle things like you could set a different pulse, a different wrist tap for certain messages. So if it's an urgent message, you can get three taps, not two, that sort of thing. It's, yes, it's a gimmick, but it's actually beginning to change things for me. Well, I'm excited for you. I mean, I'm not really a watch person. I think it would take me quite a long time to get used to even wearing a device like that. But... I would probably be convinced after a while. It's got some really daft little features. Imagine you and your best friend have got one of these watches. The gimmick here is you go into the heart rate monitor and you can send your heart rate to your friend's watch. Yeah, I'm never going to do that. So they would feel boom, 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 boom in real time. As your heart beats, it beats on their wrist. That's how you end up with obsessive boyfriends, I think. What a gimmick. I mean, it can do it, it's clever, but uh, why? And we did this little demo before we started recording. So, uh, hey Siri, show me a picture of Kelly from Frequency Cast. Okay. Oh, and there I am. And that's actually a very nice picture of you. Oh, thanks. So it's just on a Google image search, basically, and pulled up 10 pictures of you. Bit gimmicky, but quite clever. So I am slowly falling in love with it. I, As I say, I'm not proud of myself. I feel I've succumbed to something that I have should have thought, but 
it is beginning to be a bit of a game changer for me. Well, I'm jealous. And I also feel like Michael Knight. Hey, Kit, do this. Oh, dear. Hi, I'm Jason Bradbury from uh, The Gadget Show, and you're listening to Frequency Cast. Now, as many of you know, I'm a big fan of a nice cup of good quality coffee. And I've started uh, experimenting with the idea of paying using a smartphone, using the new service from Apple Pay. If you don't know, it's available for American Express, First Direct, HSBC, NatWest, Nationwide, MBNA, RBS, Santander and Ulster Bank. And uh, I've given it a few tries and it's actually surprisingly good. In the interests of serving our frequency cast audience, I recently descended on my favourite little local coffee shop where I spoke to Georgia to find out how many customers are now using this kind of technology. Um, I've seen a couple of people trying out the new contactless payment using their iPhone. I think it's going to be quite a good thing, very popular, because it's better than the card contactless payments because you've got your fingerprint as well as the touch. I think it's going to pick up quite quickly. A lot of people don't know about it yet, but I think when it becomes a bit more well-known and more frequently used, that it will be very popular. So when you're behind the till and you've got a customer, some of them give you pockets full of change, some of you give you notes. Do you actually like dealing with cards or do you prefer cash? I prefer dealing with cards because it's a lot quicker, it's a lot easier, done and dusted with the touch now, don't have to fiddle with buttons don't have to use my hands. That's fair enough. And it makes uh, traffic a bit quicker through the tills. What about loyalty cards and that sort of thing? Does that cause you guys hassle? Not necessarily, because we also have the app scanner now as well, which is another form of contactless, cardless payment. You scan your iPhone rather than your card. So go on then. On the average day, how many pay by sticking a card in and typing a pin versus contact or versus uh, like a phone? Well, the contactless payment is a lot more popular now. I mean, any transaction over £20 has to be chip and pin. We do get quite a few of those here, but for our speedy customers that just want to take their coffee and leave, they tap away, they're out the door within seconds. And that's a better way of doing it for you guys? Much better for us, much quicker for them. Okay, here's a a strange one. Has anyone paid by their watch yet? No, we've not had an Apple Watch yet. I'm waiting for that one to come through. A customer did tell me that they've got an Apple Watch on the way, ready to use. I've actually got an Apple Watch. Do you want me to try it for you? I think that would be a great idea. Can I be your first? You can be my first. Let's give it a go. Cheers. Okay, Georgia. Now, I'm going to try this. Have you put the order in yet? The order is through for your coffees. £4.10p, and please. Okay, here we go. Watch up to screen. There we go, we got it. Did it work? It worked, it worked, that's good. First time I've seen that. So I don't owe you any more money? Not at all, all paid for, thank you very much. We are going to talk about something you hinted at earlier. What are we going to talk about next? My favourite subject, I think, and that is uh, planned obsolescence. Yes, this is the idea that manufacturers make things designed to fail so that you need to buy another one. We've talked about this a lot in previous shows. Uh, The reason this has come up is someone sent us a link to a petition. uh, And the petition title is Stop Greedy Companies Making Products That Break. What a snappy title. And so true. It needs to happen. So if this bothers you, like it bothers Kelly. Oh, this bothers me more than anything, I think. Of all the, the subjects we keep going back over, it's one of the things that absolutely infuriates me. What they're trying to petition for is the UK government to bring in a law that makes manufacturers publish the expected lifespan of a product. And apparently they've done this in France. They've changed their laws so that a manufacturer has to state how long something will last. 
and they want the same over here in the UK. I think that's fantastic. It definitely, definitely, definitely needs to happen. They've given a good example here. It means when you're in a shop buying, you've got a choice of, do I get a £15 kettle that lasts a year or a £30 kettle that lasts for five years? You kind of then have a little bit of an idea in your head constantly when you may need to budget for another one. I'll put the uh, address up on the, uh, the website and also on the social media channels and you could help stop greedy companies making products that break. I'm signing up now. Frequency cast. Now loading. Interaction. Interaction time where we hear from you, your emails, your tweets, your messages, all sorts of things. And uh, who have we got first, Kelly? Well, the first one's actually about smart meters. Um, and this is actually from Roger, who says, I recently had solar PV panels installed on my roof. OK, PV, for those that don't know, is photovoltaic, the uh, solar cells uh, that you can have on your roof to generate a bit of electricity. He goes on to say, will the new smart meters be able to show the PV generation, the consumption and the amount of electric I'm exporting? At present, the payments for solar panels are a payment for the total kilowatt per hour generated and export payment, which is calculated on the basis that you will use 50% of the total generated. In practice, this is an underpayment as a truer figure is nearer one third um, and that's used by the homeowner. So the electric company is getting free electric when the sun shines. Yeah, this is a constant debate, this, about uh, how much energy you can put back into the grid or use yourself from these uh, solar cells. I suspect smart meters aren't smart enough to work that out. They have a specific job to do. That's basically taking meter readings and telling you about your consumption. Good question, Roger. And if anyone's got any thoughts, please get in touch the next one's from andy from thamesmead um, he says what's all the hoo-ha about google unsend i've been using gmail since its inception i found out about the unsend option a few months after i started using it i thought everyone knew about it i could have amazed you all by telling you years ago well why didn't you then andy it's an interesting one. This is a, certainly a new feature. So I don't know what it was you saw before, but Google has formally announced it as a new feature. I tell you what, find something else that you can do. Tell us and amaze us. Yeah, before we even go on to the next one, Andy, do you know how many awkward emails you could have saved me from had you told us about this earlier? Or drunken text messages. Oh, I know. That one you sent me the other night, that's amazing. The next one's from Terry Costello. He says, great show. I look forward to the first of every month. Kelly, don't ever leave. Oh, Kelly, don't ever leave. Oh, as if I would. Um, he says, you're an ideal balance to Pete. I am. Anyway, getting on to the actual question. Um, he says, can you tell me what you know about Virgin TiVo 4K compatible set-top box, please? As far as we can tell, uh, there are no immediate plans for a Virgin TiVo 4K uh, set-top box out there. So for those that don't know, 4K, also known as Ultra HD, is the new standard of high def. We saw some a couple of years ago now, didn't we, up at uh, Gadget Show. We saw some lovely 4K TVs at the Finlux stand, if you remember. And do you remember our friend Rita? Yeah, I do. Uh, incredible pictures. Absolutely incredible images. 4K is going to be the next big thing. It's now become very, very affordable in the UK. These pictures are absolutely stunning. Kelly, you've got to admit, wipes the floor with HD, doesn't it? 
Oh, 100%. To be honest, I can't even really tell the difference with the HD half the time. But this, it actually feels like I could walk straight into it. Admittedly, we're watching a massive screen. What size is this huge screen that we're looking at? The size is 84 inch, um, so mega, mega size. Compared with HD, what sort of quality are we looking at? So, so in layman's terms, it's four times the resolution of full HD TVs, so incredibly lifelike. There isn't a huge amount of 4K TV content out there yet, so presumably if you buy one of these, are you limited to what you can watch at the moment? You're really not going to be stuck. Admittedly at the moment there's very limited content, but we know for a fact that that is changing. Gradually you're going to see more and more 4K content. I'm sure BBC, for example, are going to jump on board, but a lot of the other huge sort of um, big blockbusters are going to probably jump on board and produce much more content. And that was 4K or Ultra HD, amazing stuff. And there's a lot of rush to get some channels out there. BT have actually done pretty well. They've launched BT Sport Ultra HD just a few days ago. It's uh, going to actually start its first live programming uh, one day after the show was released. The FA Community Shield match at Wembley between Chelsea and Arsenal will be going out on the 2nd of August in Ultra HD. And BT has done a good job. Sky are bringing out their Sky Q box, probably by Christmas, which will be their 4K box. But no news on Virgin, so watch this space. Mm, well, that's what I use, so I'll definitely be watching that space. Our last one, Chris Benitez talking about the Coke bottle challenge. And, of course, we mentioned this in the last show. We had somebody get in touch saying Kelly should do the Coke bottle challenge. Have you done it yet? No, we put it out to the audience. We hadn't heard anything back until now. Only Chris has bothered to reply and suggest that you do it. But unfortunately, he's also suggested that I do it. Clearly, the audience has spoken. So I think we're probably going to have to move on. But uh, Chris did say a couple of other bits for you. Yeah, he also said that he downloaded Periscope just to see us. And on the day he received a notification on his mobile, all the signal was lost. But said we should definitely start using it a lot more. Maybe we should. So there you go. If you've got a listener challenge for us or a question or a comment or something you want to say or a bit of flattery for Kelly because, you know, she loves that. Every now and then. It can't hurt a girl's ego. You know how to get in touch by now, but let's just remind you. You can leave us a voicemail. The number is 0208 133 4567. You can text us on 07882 043 521. It's the cost of a standard text. Or, of course, you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our site. We're also all over social media as well, aren't we? We try our best. We'll catch you on the next show. Have fun. See you later. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Frequency Cast. Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends. Frequency Cast.